1: Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers,
0: Pure athlete, yeah. i transcend race, O'Brien. Matt Butler. I don't talk
1: <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are song full of that, man. i
0: right. And Jeff Howe.
1: It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. A lot to get into. Let's not waste any more time. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for your continued support of Longhorn Blitz. You can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts by searching Horns 24-7. That's Horns 24-7. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button to get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Also, get over to Horns 24-7 for the latest and greatest of the Longhorn team news notes and nuggets. The best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish. It's all there for you at Horns 24-7. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst, on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Not too shabby. Just another fine day in our Fairburg. A man who's always having a fine day in our Fairburg uh, where he once dominated on the field for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, He wears many hats for the Austin Radio Network, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie with Mike Harge from three to seven weekdays on the Horn. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that C-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother.
2: I appreciate it, as always. Uh,
1: I do my best, Rod. I do my best. Just try not to make eye contact with you. That's not a joke, folks. <laughs> I look like right through this little corner between Matt and I. I'm okay. staring at the there's a roof <laughs> right across from me. I just stare at that and try not to make eye contact with Rod and it's hope like, I don't screw it up.
2: We're like at a urinal in the bathroom. Like <laughs> just, just, just stare staring at it. Find a spot stare, on the wall. stare at it. That's that whole like- deal <laughs> in
1: the... When, you know, when you're in the locker room shower for the first time counting tiles or whatever. You're story. like,
3: just keep your head up. Keep your head up. Look up, man. Look up. And it's like Jeff and I are in a <laughs> stall because I can't even see him. I just have a wall. We're staring at each other and never true. make eye contact. That's a great That's
1: point. This re- is, is, is kind of unusual how we do the show. Like, I, Matt and I don't make eye contact. For however long we roll, I don't make eye contact with Matt. I do before the show and after the show, but during, it's... Rod, Rod Bucky, can tell you there's a monitor blocking our view. That's how
2: B and E actually used to do their show mm-hmm. for most of the, 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 the at least I think the first like few years they were together. Yeah, at they, least. Uh,
1: apparently uh,
2: uh, they never saw each other. He said that was like a monitor or something. I don't remember how it was. Yeah, right? they
3: had it yeah. sort of like that, uh, and then Bucky would have that mirror where oddly he would look in the mirror into the producer's room. <laughs> <laughs> you had that. Job. I used to make eye contact. Oh, with yeah, You only because I, I would look at now. the back of y'all's heads. <laughs> I
1: talked to Aaron about that, and that's apparently so uh, they were talking over each other and. Some, I don't know, you know, the specialists come in mm-hmm. to tell you what's wrong with your workplace or yeah. whatever. Apparently, they did like a the dry bombs. run for a show blindfolded. So, like, they actually had to learn to listen to each other. So, that's why I guess they decided that was the best compromise was to put the monitor in between them so that they didn't is, talk to each, uh, talk it. over each other. I, I love that. that. That's smart. That's yeah.
3: awesome. I just am picturing them with blindfolds on huh? doing a show, which is amazing. And
2: strangely enough, that is, these days, that is also one of the critiques of people doing shows remotely, mm-hmm. like in different, uh, different like spots, in different cities and stuff, and not actually physically with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that they talk over each other because they can't see each other. So they don't know the physical cues of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how and it was they, during they COVID actually,
3: with us. It, I was exactly. talking over everybody. Yeah.
2: And now they. That's crazy. That was their actual suggestion for B&E <laughs> so that they wouldn't talk over each other. I don't, I don't know. Basically, you can't see each other. You just got to listen to each other, which is strange because, like, I mean, that's very interesting. I didn't know that was the actual Yeah, I remember uh, Aaron, Aaron, suggestion. Told me Aaron told me that yeah. was the-, yeah, cool, the Bullock movie like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is <laughs> oh, the I label, forgot that the name. But
1: uh, <sighs> yeah, I just remembered yeah. another Austin I Roots. I do
2: remember that, blind. That was an interesting movie. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I can't remember it now, but I do remember that movie. I Bird it. box. There you Bird go. box. There you go. Good job.
1: Uh just a quick quick trip through the Google machine. It'll help fix a lot of things in life. Uh true. one thing that is no longer a mystery, blindfolds not needed. We can see clear as day who QB1 is for the Texas Longhorns. It is Quinn Ewers. Sark made that call last Friday. He got all the snaps with the ones in the scrimmage on Saturday, which is I don't want to say the scrimmage was anticlimactic, but it kind of was anticlimactic just from the standpoint of the Q, the quarterback decision was already in by the time the scrimmage happened. Mm-hmm. And pretty much once Kelvin Banks got a, a little minor ankle injury and, you know, he's fine, it wasn't serious then. And Sark kind of confirmed that, that it wasn't a serious deal. Pretty much once the Kelvin Banks injury happened, right as, as I understand it, they kind of really simmered everything down. It was like, all right, let's, uh, let's get some of those threes and fours in there. Texas scrimmage has been cursed. The cursed know. scrimmages. Yeah, the guys, the starters going down. I don't like that. Let me ask you this. What's though, going on. I don't know. It's weird. It's very very different than when you were going through camp and going through scrimmages. So back in the day, you guys could scrimmage every day once you got in the pads, pretty much.
2: Yeah, they didn't give it down. We had a real two a days. Yeah. Don't exist <laughs> anymore. Like kid, don't even say two a days. They don't even okay? have two a days. I forget
1: the number. I c I can't find the number and, and oh, hopefully I find that at some point. Because I actually have somebody at Texas who wasn't hundred percent sure what the number was. I believe it's only Eight in camp. I think it's only eight, like to the ground tackling practices that the NCAA Oh, I could you to believe have. that. Yeah, I think it it's is eight. a it is a small number. I remember somebody because, talking about this one day. Yeah, if I remember right,
2: and that's why he said tackling is such an issue. You don't an, get. A a
1: Mac, to Mac told us. Mac told it's us a decade a decade ago it's an <laughs> epidemic, and we didn't believe him. Um, <laughs> I digress. It's um, still a p-
3: epidemic. Last year's North Carolina, according to Mac. Well,
0: we
2: saw Texas last year.
1: I'm just quoting him too. as well. well still uh, when will we solve it? We figured out COVID. We still haven't figured out tackling college uh, football. But at any rate, uh, I believe this was a a, a pandemic, a COVID related pullback, Rob. That I think I think they just kept around. If I'm remembering now, I could be remembering that wrong. But I'm thinking they oh, they full contact a, to the ground yeah. practice. It's like well, it's a few of those. Yeah, we're already you know worried about player safety anyway. Just keep it rolling. Um, and it just seems like two of those have been the scrimmages, and that's where some injuries have happened for Texas. So, I don't know, man. It's almost like the less you have full contact to the ground tackling where you don't have to worry about staying up, the the fewer of those you have, the more injuries occur. I don't know if there's a correlation there well, or um, we'll see. bad luck or what. Yeah, we'll see what kind of effect you know that has had on the team
2: and them tackling real time in a game. Um, obviously, I don't expect it to be an issue versus Louisiana Monroe, but... Versus I hope Alabama. it's not
1: an issue against <laughs> you.
2: Yeah, but versus Alabama, I think we'll get the true test, if you
1: will. It'll be a good barometer for a lot of things we'll that that Alabama game will.
3: And you uh. were correct, Jeff. Uh, according to Football Scoop, it is eight. You had 12 with contact, eight tackling, and three scrimmages. Wow.
1: Well, so the scrimmages don't count against your total number, or they do count against your number. They don't.
3: Three may involve 11-on-11 11 11 scrimmages. Okay, so, so they are of the eight.
1: So three scrimmages mm-hmm. is the most you can have. Okay. yeah. That, yeah, I was going to say Rod, I remember going out to practice when you were playing and y'all got after it every damn day.
2: I guess it depends on Okay, so those scrimmages are tackling, right? Yes. To the ground. Yes. Scrimmages? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, I would love to see the old school rules when we were. in. <laughs> I don't think were, there were. Yeah, exactly. Because they were well, there, it was then, practice. Yeah, it was just practice. And we scribbled stuff. Do the what you're doing. Practice. The in season rules, in season rules,
1: have always been kind of well, at least stricter in terms yeah. of time. When
2: coaches during the season, they don't, you know, yeah. don't do it Anyway, just because your week is so short. But can
1: I remember, like I said, I remember driving Now oh, yeah. to watch you guys practice back when I was in high school and had a card. Most kids are like, oh, I want to go party. No, oh, I want to go watch Texas practice. It's just the mm-hmm. way my brain was wired. But mm-hmm. um, I remember, like, getting after it all the damn time. Yeah,
2: we had tons of scrimmages, actually. Yeah.
1: So, different day, different time. But Texas mm-hmm. is done with camp, and Quinn Ewers is QB1. In light of some of the stuff we were hearing, and, and I can get into kind of how we handled it at horns 24-7, a lot of the info, the, the intel that was getting out there from behind the burnt orange curtain was that Hudson Card was – ahead in that race and various outlets reported how they felt they needed to report it. Um, Sark just turns around and decides to make Quinn Ewers go ahead and announce it after a Friday <laughs> practice, not even directly announcing it, uh, as it was told to me, because my colleague, chip Brown was there. Chip was there. And he said pretty much a lot. Some people had packed up and left, like the TV guys were packing up and he was just kind of there shooting the breeze with one of the other media members. <laughs> and John Bianco just came in the room and said, Hey, uh, you know, Sark wanted me to pass along to you guys that Quinn Ewers <laughs> is QB one. Well, and Sark's according, the to, according to Chip, everybody starts laughing like everybody thinks it's a joke, right? Exactly. Okay, yeah, haha. Ha. And John yeah. apparently John Bianco said no, he wanted me to email it out, but a lot of you guys are still here, so I'm just coming to tell you that yeah, mm-hmm. Quinn's QB one. I just hit the button.
2: Wow. I mean, okay, and this is okay, it obviously there are conspiracy theories galore because there was a lot of um, there were a lot of gaps. In this timeline story, a lot of questions, and Longhorn fans figured, "Hey, man, you ain't gonna give me the answers. I'll just fill it in, or whatever." The tinfoil the hell I hats
1: think. are out in full force. Uh, so
2: yeah, they're out in that grassy knoll. And I'm, by the way, I am not resputing your conspiracy theories because a lot of people said, "Oh, Nick Saban coming to Texas was a conspiracy theory" until Border Regents member later on came out and said, "Oh no, we had him." And Mac Brown put the kibosh on it. Uh, but keep it moving. So, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm not going. I'm not. I'll get out in that grassy note with you and discuss it. But I will admit. And I think everybody agrees. That's a weird way to announce your starting quarterback. Usually it's the head coach. Head coach had just spoke to the media, had a media availability the day before, said, had been saying for weeks. He knew who the guy was going to be. The assumption by us was, but the members of the media uh, was that, oh, no, he'll wait after the second scrimmage, more data points. They have a more thorough evaluation. That's what he wants to do. That was not the case. He claims he slept on it. Um, and once he slept on it, I guess he had a vision of Quinn. you was throwing them bombs. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, that, that, that mullet, you know, in the, flapping in the wind, whatever it may be. And he's like, there you go. So One fans just want to know, like, okay, what happened then? What happened between the 24 hours? Did you watch the one practice and go? Oh, that's it. The, the 24 hours, what happened in that time span that made you confirm, oh, go from, I want these guys to compete, which is what you said. And you said, I have an idea of who I want the guy to be till, oh, no, let's announce that guy right now and if that is the case why didn't you go out there and announce it it should be but like hey guys no questions no questions at all just gotta throw this out there boom 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 we're gonna have an emergency press conference everybody would have went nice. you'd be like hey 20 minutes everybody's everybody need to come down here y'all y'all guys remember we'd had Rex trying to get down there on time
1: we've had right? is what texas coaches do that before like exactly. mac, i know mac had called the impromptu press conference i remember uh 2015 season after the Notre Dame game, when we thought we were getting a coordinator availability, no, unannounced, it was Charlie Strong coming in to tell us, Yeah, uh, Sean Watson's no longer calling to plays, Jay Norvell's calling to plays.
2: You know, what I mean, whatever it may be, exactly. So, I, the rollout of the information was weird and obtuse and strange. So, Longwood fans was like, All right, that's weird. And then they they went to the grassy knoll. So, I'm not mad at them for going to grassy knoll because you uh, over there on the 48 because y'all rolled it out so weird and strange, everybody was like, What? That was a national story. Colin Cowherd stopped his damn show to talk about that. Nationally, everybody hit that story. Yeah, and then you just kind of, you just nonchalantly just throw it out there instead of saying out there on a podium, hey, guys, no questions at all. I got a lot of meetings. I'm really busy. Hey, this is your starting quarterback. It's for this reason. Uh, in a couple of days, I'll come back and we'll have some questions about it. But I just want to make sure yeah. you guys are the first to know. Boom, I'm out here. And so I'm not criticizing him for doing it. He's a busy man. He's got to do what he's got to do. But don't get mad at the fans. For jumping to conclusions and now putting their own story together because it was weird. That was strange. It is well, surpassed, that was strange. SID does not announce starting quarterbacks around the country.
1: It has surpassed uh, the 2000, <laughs> before the 2001 Holiday Bowl, when it was announced how Major, Major Applewhite was announced as the starter for that game. I believe it was a Bill Little column on the school website where <laughs> Major was announced as the starter for the Holiday Bowl. This is surpassed that is like the weirdest QB1 <laughs> That's announcement weird. That's I've seen weird. since I've been following the program. That yeah. is very weird. And I, think yeah.
3: it, I, don't, I point, didn't know
2: that.
1: I'm weird. so glad you guys didn't have social media back then, oh, Rod. God. The stuff you guys would have been subjected to at that point. as oh, well. have been, as been out of control. Was, yeah, dude.
2: no, it would have been out of control. That's but, t- um, I yeah. think
3: what you said, though, Rod, is sort of what it was is that, like maybe they just wanted to not answer any questions on, just be like, all right, well, we're naming him here. That's all it is for now. Now, of course, there's gonna be a million questions because this is Texas and Texas football. I think that was maybe what their goal was was just send it out. It's quickly indirect, and that's it. But, I mean, for, I went to practice Tuesday. There was clearly one quarterback better than the other one. It was only one practice. I didn't think that within, like, a day or two you are going to have Quinn Ewers teasing a big decision's coming, something like he tweeted out, something ominous, like, yeah, the, something big's coming tomorrow, and then tomorrow he was named starter. But even so then, that was even. his NIL deal. Yeah, well, but yeah. The, if you tie I, the yeah, two yeah. together, it's like – Well, also NIL and he was the name, the starting quarterback, coincidentally, at the same time. Either way, Texas fans got what they wanted. It looks like the better quarterback on the field got the job that he wanted. And I think in this situation, it maybe can. you don't want to necessarily be protecting Hudson Card, but you didn't want to maybe, Sark, maybe didn't want to go up there and tell all the faults and all the things that Card was doing wrong because they were going to ask, well, true, no, no, I agree.
2: And you just throw it out there. Instead,
3: he did it via
2: email through Bianco, which is a and little I, and, bit different. And, and, and I it's, think, it's, it's it's propping up old Bianco. Well, yeah, it is. But <laughs> I'm just saying that's why people have decided, oh, you know what? That's weird. And the reason it's weird is because of this. Yep. This is what happened. And I'm not saying it did or it didn't happen. I'm just saying that's why Longhorn fans jumped out to the grassy nose. Yeah, I've,
1: I've got no problem if fans will do that. That's, that's yeah. not for me to judge or decide exactly. how fans are going to take the news. I, I don't have a problem with that one way or the other. Um, I do think and I think I don't want to get off on a tangent because we do have like tangible stuff to discuss, but there's been a lot of talk Rod. maybe this, I don't know, maybe it's just coming across my Twitter feed and coming across my plate more this camp than it has in years past about, okay, fans want to see more and hear more of actually what's going on at practice. Why is the media not allowed in? Why are you guys only allowed in for certain times? Uh, why is you know you don't even really get like good video coming out from scrimmages and huh. you know, why is everything so secretive? My thought on it is is as simple as this, and and, and I'll, look, I'll be honest, I don't have the kind of relationship with Steve Sarkeesian to know exactly what his line of thought is on this, but I'll say this: this is just kind of my generalization of it, and I don't think this is exclusive to Sark. I just think this is how he's choosing to handle it, but I think for all college football coaches in the NIL era more the way it's set up now if you want to find out what's going on at practice man like you can pay a player to come on your podcast or to do a sit down mm-hmm. interview and they can tell you what's going on at practice as much, mm-hmm. as much as they feel comfortable divulging based mm-hmm. on your agreement yep uh so players can speak freely yes, based on the, given the NIL climate mm-hmm. we're in when it comes to practice access and what you allow the traditional media to see and hear and observe and gather The college football head coach can still control that. And I think whether it's Sark or any other coach, I think, man, if that's one of the last things that you really can't have control over, you're going to control it as much as you possibly can. Even if fans do feel like it's a detriment to them that they're not getting the – and honestly, Rod, I, I've heard fans be split on this. Some fans are like, I want to know more. I want you guys to get in because I want to know what happens at practice every day or at least a little bit or at least have some boots on the ground. There are some fans that say, close everything down. They, they don't need the distraction. I don't want to know anything that's going on. There's no need for information to be out there. So it's not like a universal thing. It just seems to – be, like I said, it's coming across my plate more mm-hmm. this camp than it has in previous years. And I just think that's what it boils down to, man. It is mm-hmm. one one of the few things left that, is a, that a college football head coach can actually control. And from that standpoint, I don't blame Sark for controlling it.
2: Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I don't. Bl- I think there's a healthy balance here in Austin on some Programs, I know. Like, you know, I don't know what Lincoln Riley does now that he's there, but traditionally have a lot, lot more access mm. um, to to members of the media. He, of he's opened and it up a like little that. bit.
1: More like he, he, there was almost no access when he was at Oklahoma, but exactly. because because the way things have run there's at like USC the, for like a tradition years, there, yeah, yeah. The
2: media would have they would went crazy. So I think it's just I, I think the balance here is healthy. But um, yeah, everybody, some people want more access. I I, I think ultimately for coaches, um, the challenge these days is. Like you said, that the name, image, and likeness slash social media age has really uh, infiltrated their cultures, and so they they can only avoid information being you know leaked out. Or that's why, and some people say that's probably why Sark said, just put it out there. Mm-hmm. Right, put put the quarterback. You know, put the quarterback news out there because I already told the quarterbacks. I just told the the, the team it's out there anyway. It's mm-hmm. going to be out there, and I'm tired of these guys, you know, acting like they broke the damn story. No, we'll tell the world who it is. Yeah. So I think they understand that they have to give a little. Those days of being this ironclad, kind of clandestine, uh, you know, kind of working as a secret op of mm-hmm. all every time when you're doing practice, uh, those days are done. Like People want access. And if you do it right, it can be profitable mm-hmm. to you as a university, it can be profitable to your players because people will pay for that access. They will. You know that. Yeah. Your access all the time.
1: Yeah, there's that part of it. I, like I said, I, I didn't want to get off on too far yeah. of a tangent on it, but I, it no, has NFL's been a The NFL's been battling
2: topic. with that because the NFL, once they took away one of their, like, all 22. Um, access like you mm-hmm. didn't like, pay a premium to get off. Yep. I think they took it away for a little while, um, mm-hmm. and I think that now they're bringing it back. Mm-hmm. It was ups- it upset. It upset a lot of people. Like yeah, people were upset sure. about it because they that's how they do mm. their homework and that's how they do their study for their jobs, which is having access. Yeah. To that and, film. and you
1: get you get guys that understand what they're watching. I'll shout them out because I, I follow his work and I, I enjoy. what He does like Bob Sturm at the athletic with the Cowboys. Yeah, Bob exactly. knows what he's watching. Does a great job, but if yeah. he doesn't have access to the All Twenty Two, well. Okay. Exactly. Then yeah. Yeah. there's
2: only so much you can get into because mm-hmm. you're limited in in your scope. So yeah, I, I'm I'm all about yeah giving access, but I'm with you. I understand why the coaches don't yeah. want to give give people access and stuff like that because that's trust me, they're are nuggets and hell, I'm sure Sark doesn't like the fact that Rod B gives away stuff. I'm yeah. I mean, I essentially called the Oklahoma game plan. Like literally called Uh him. like literally the week of it was like, no, man, do this and you will succeed. And he did that. And I'm sure by now somebody's over there like, man, hey, Robby, you know, hey, we, you know, thank you for telling everybody about the empty, but shut up a little bit. All right? you know, <laughs> shut up about the two tailback sets. I mean you need to calm it down because Oklahoma State, there's a guy over there who has access to the coaches. He's like, Hey man, I'm telling you, this yeah. Baylor's guy. You know what I mean? Like they that's why they're upset because they know degrees of separation. Hell, it, it it may spark something in terms of a game plan for another coach, because all they need is the knowledge and the info. Well, yeah, and up. Sark's
3: already talked yeah. about it they, about week one and why you don't have everything yeah, open I mean, because it. you don't wanna give Joe at West Monroe a chance to to be yeah. watching you all day long,
2: because yeah, exactly. Our job is different than his job. My job mm-hmm. is to get it out to the public and educate the public about yeah. you know what Texas. You're doing, doing your what own their film game plans. Your own. I am doing. I got my own object. I got my own objective. And and for him, I think he's got obviously his own priorities too, and they don't always. He's
3: hearing them stories of switcher over 35 appearing in at practice. And I'll also <laughs> say this too, just real quick, exactly. because I've heard
1: a lot of Texas fans bring this up, and it's a good point. Well, why does the NFL open training camp? Why is the NFL different? Got to understand the Pro Football Writers Association and the league have agreements on what's allowed and what's not, and There's what they'll go with and what they won't. No, not the PA. I'm talking oh, about the pro, the pro Football Writers yeah. Association and the yeah. league. Mm-hmm. There's actually a couple of those availabilities, some offseason stuff that's actually in the yeah, CBA. Yeah, exactly. That has yeah. to happen. Yep. Yeah. So All that's why those it's a little things bit different. Are There's not,
2: which is why they find players if you don't show up. That kind and, of and
1: stuff. I'll say this for me. I've I've mentioned this on the flagship message board at Horns 247. I have no problem mentioning it here. I've said for years, man, if, 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 you know, if you want to let me into practice, you want me to sign a waiver that says I won't report or see anything I see in certain periods or whatever, man, if you just give me the option to go, I would rather go and be limited in my reporting than not go at all. I mean, that's just me, though. I mm-hmm. know some guys on the beat yeah. are different. Um, any opportunity you give me to go out to practice – I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take
2: it. And, That's and it. it's because, and, and I would say, because you, you and I are similar, but obviously very different. And I, have been telling people in radio this for a while. Every time I get a job, and every time I'm offered a job, I say, listen, I don't break news. I have sources, but I don't break news. Don't bring me here to break news. Like I observe, I analyze. I can be a football theorist and a football philosopher and a pop culture critic and scientist. But don't come in here and be like, hey, Robbie, would not you break that news? I heard your boy Sam's on. I heard your boy channel. Don't bring me there for that. All right? yeah. I give informed opinions, which is why I call myself Black Trudamus. Yes, it happens that I, I'm i right on a lot of things. Yeah, because they're informed opinions by people who are behind the curtain and who are actually on the scene. Yeah, Those are my sources. But that ain't me breaking news. That's just me giving my prediction through analysis and yeah. through you know, my study and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's kind of how I think coaches are freaking out because everybody wants to break news. Wow. You know, everybody wants to break a story. And I tell you, like, I ain't trying to break a story, man. Like I always say, hey, Robbie, man, I'm going to tell you this, but don't tell him, like, Dude, I don't break news. Mm-hmm. You don't listen to me, do you? Everybody listen. Rob, what was that time I broke a story? I don't yeah. break no stories. I've been doing this for 15 years. I ain't broke one story. I don't break news mm-hmm. because my sources don't like it when I break news. Because yeah, yeah. I lose trust in them when they go, man, Robbie, you broke that story. That also means you violated somebody's trust. Or maybe you didn't. Yeah. But that's what you got to do if you break news because everybody expects you to do it all the time. I'm not in that business.
1: Last and little thing I'll say on that is uh, – well, go ahead, Matt.
2: Oh, be no, I was just
3: going to say that's right on the point, sort of what you were saying, Jeff. You would like to be at those practices. Yeah. And that's what off-the-record off yeah. <laughs> conversations that journalists have all the time with coaches, with players, yeah. and you distinguish what's on or off. And that's the same idea, going to a practice and what's reported or not or forming relationships with exactly. people because if you want – and people may be wondering, well, well, if you know, what, why are you holding out? it's like, no, I'm not holding out on this information. Mm-hmm. I have sources that is going to make what I give you as a show more informative so that people will be more informed and get good opinions. But I'm not going to be telling you what they're saying, but I'm going to be able yeah. to keep this relationship with this person very close. Therefore, I'm going to have information that others don't have and I'm going to have insight that people don't. La- have. Last
1: thing on that, I have not had I can be honest with the listening audience. I have not had this conversation with Sark, at least to my recollection. I have not had this mm-hmm. conversation with Sark. But I've had, I had this conversation with Mac Brown. I had this conversation with Charlie Strong, and I had this conversation with Tom Herman. I don't want to know everything that goes on in your program. Mm. I don't need to know everything that goes on in your program, because Rod, you've been behind the Bronco's court, man. There's there's some stuff you hear that you you I, like. I wish I hadn't heard that. I'm just going to yeah. pretend oh, I no. didn't hear that. Oh no
2: doubt. Yes. Um, and no that, that's not Texas. That goes for every goes program for in the country. Yeah. yeah same. I wish
1: um, I didn't know that. <laughs> I wish I didn't know that. But <laughs> yeah. what I've told those other three coaches, and what I would tell Sark. I just want to be able to know enough to where when I have an opinion on something, <laughs> that it is an informed opinion. Mm-hmm. So I'm like with you, Rod. Breaking news, whatever. It's, exactly. It that ain't, what it that is. ain't my business. Um, I just want to be able to give informed opinions. And exactly. I feel like for by and large, throughout my career covering this team, I've done that. All right, so. Let's talk about QB1 real quick because I've gone down a couple different rabbit holes, and the rabbit hole that I went down was in relation to the backup quarterback at this place. And I do like the fact that if you go to TexasSports.com and, look, they don't put it out there in front of you, you got to go down the rabbit hole and call it and write it out yourself. Uh, 1992 for this sample is a really good year to start. That's the earliest I can find records online of Game by game lineups. That's a nice a square number.
2: You're
1: at 30. We're, we're at 30 full seasons yeah, going from nice 1992 to 2021. Yeah. And Rodby, would you like to know that in those 30 full seasons, okay. there have been 15 of them where Texas used at least two quarterbacks to start multiple games? I'm start.
2: surprised. I honestly, I thought that was low.
1: So let me rephrase <laughs> that because I butchered that. In 15 of the last 30 seasons, Texas has needed at least two starting quarterbacks, two different starting quarterbacks. To get through a season now, sometimes that means the backup might have started one game. You ride to get in situations like your sophomore year at Texas in two thousand and a twelve game season. Major Applewhite started six. Yeah, Chris Sims started six. Yeah, I mean that was a wild one. So in some some (laughs) years, some years it might you might need the backup to start a game or whatever. Some years it might be a toss up. You don't know until kickoff on Saturday. Like
2: that twenty seventeen year. Sorry, yeah, yeah, twenty seventeen. Sam and Shannon, yeah, I've got and that. I've got those. That was one of the years right where it's like here. it was like they would just. act It's one of those years, and I brought I brought this up too. You know, talking about the, the quarterback competition at Texas. It's one of those few years where. The, the the locker room I think that was genu- that was a genuine split about man I wonder which way we should go who gives uh, us the best chance to win games
1: Shane Bouchelle seven starts yep. Sam Elling or six starts
2: Remember, that was a genuine split in the conversation like who gives mm-hmm. us the best chance to win games and now looking back on it that was a good conversation that was a yep. good healthy. <laughs> Quarterback competition for Texas, just like the Sims App White now. Sims App White went toxic. I always say quarterback competitions are like elections, and the last thing you want, as we know, is disagreement on who won the election. Uh, and D- Sims App White was kind of how we are right now in the country. Like we, got, it yeah. got toxic. Oh yeah. still, I, I, I came in.
1: Of- I came in to do my show today, Tuesday <laughs> still morning. this
2: day, like yeah. oh. I came oh, yeah, in. Sure. I
1: came in to do the Tuesday edition of Light the Tower with Craig Way and Snoop Daniel. Shout out to both those guys. Shout out. I came in to do the Tuesday edition of Light the Tower. I look at our text line. Rod, that we have in the studio, <laughs> and I'm not joking. The first page of text, there's a says Sims was garbage. I'm like, we're still <laughs> we're still going through this,
0: we're still dealing with this,
1: garbage. and y'all wonder why Sims doesn't come back regularly. No, tact, no, tact <laughs> no, I'll just, no, yeah, just no Sims context, was garbage, and it's like, no what? context, nothing. I'm just games, like
2: garbage. Can we can we back up the garbage? What he left school
3: as He's the gone, second dude. best quarterback in history. When he left school, he <laughs> was number Lane. two behind Bobby Lane. That's why I love. That's why I love that that uh, day. Anyway, some sorry, other seasons
1: where it was kind of <laughs> even. 2011 trash can. Only time in the last My thirty garbage. years you needed three quarterbacks to get you through. Two for Garrett oh. Gilbert. Five for Case McCoy. Six for David Ash. That was yeah. the beginning
2: of the end. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, yeah.
1: I mentioned 2000. You also had 2003. Six stars for Chance Mock, seven stars for Vince Young.
2: That was actually a healthy competition in 03. Obviously, once VY ascended, it was not. And Great if <laughs> you, if you side
1: note, there was, go, uh, uh,
3: I saw some Statesman article or somebody had posted something about the quarterback competition, and Chance Mock actually chimed in and it was like, eh, I lost my job
2: halfway through the year. Can't I talk, complain. I, ironically, talked to Chance uh, like last week, actually. you? Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah.
1: How's he doing, by the way? He's doing good. He's yeah. doing good. Uh, shout out to Chance Mock. Uh, but in terms of the quarterbacks in a year where you started single digits, we mentioned 17, uh, we mentioned 2011, uh, we brought up 2000, 2003. You also had 1994, eight starts for Shea Morin's. four starts for James Brown. That season. Oh,
2: that was the beginning of something, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So. You're going to
2: need them, is what you're saying. Yeah, and gonna, even even
1: them. in the 15 years where Texas went wire to wire with the same starting quarterback, 2004 chance Mock had to get you through the Missouri game when Vince Young got dinged up mm-hmm. 2006 Colt gets hurt on the yeah. first series in Manhattan Jim saying, Sneed yeah plays the whole game. I,
2: I would say you 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 were being very conservative in yeah. this count because if you just count guys who had to play as a result in emergency situations hell, even the swoops the swoops there it is the 18 I was package. Say, 20 package. <laughs> 2016.
1: Tyrone Swoops was your short yardage option. Yeah, Like he was – You the, needed that guy to play. You needed Swoops. Yeah. Uh, 2009, you oh, need course. to remember yeah, we that know. situation. I even throw in 2007, the, the Nebraska game, where Colt got dinged up. I mean, you needed John Childs in a high-leverage situation, at least going – look, he just went in and handed the ball to Jamal Charles, but – You needed him. You needed him to play high-leverage snaps. You the backup him. was needed for yeah, high-leverage yeah. snaps. Yeah, you uh, we on. mentioned 16, 18 rods. It's the one we always bring up, man. You, you don't get to the Big 12 championship game. If you don't have Shane Bouchelle to get you to the Baylor man. game, It is was crucial. Uh, yep. And then 2020, Sam gets hurt in the first half of the bowl game. Casey Thompson has to finish the bowl game. So, yeah. oh, man, I forgot about that one too. So, yeah, that I would say conservatively, 20 of the last 30 seasons at easily. Texas, you yeah. needed two quarterbacks
2: to you get the hold. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, so you, Justin Car, I mean, you're going to get it. You're going to get a chance. You need that guy. Uh, I mean, Huston, so you like you said, you got to keep him not only engaged but you got to keep him ready to play like mm-hmm. you got to have in a mindset that hey man I'm ready I got to be ready cuz um, honestly we just talked about uh, we were talking about in the breaks the offensive line they're going to be young they're going to be really talented uh the quarterback's going to get hit he just is yep. whoever mm-hmm. he is he's going to get hit those
3: numbers <laughs> you look at right there 20 out of 30 if you basically looking at a kid's career Say you got three years as a starter. That's going to mean two of them. You aren't. You're going to need that other. You might get one year when you're on campus where you're clean through. That's your one year, and we talk about it. Vince's That's 05. That's Sam Ellinger. Yeah, Sam Ellinger got Sims one year. T- Sam's 02. There 02. you go. So yeah, Sam Sims Ellinger, 02. 2019. Yeah, yeah, you get one year. So, yeah. like, a, hopefully that's your year, and it all lines that year you get that and don't have bad luck at other positions. Yeah. James Brown had
2: it, two of – no, Colt had one.
1: Colt had one, yeah. really, 2008, because 07, he got yeah. dinged up, and he wasn't yeah. – I think he had touchdown interceptions, if I remember, I was like 22 touchdowns, 17 picks yeah. that year. Colt didn't have a great sophomore year. Uh, James Brown only had one, 1996, yeah. it was he, when he went wire to wire. That's a good point. It's hard so to do. It's hard to do. It, huh? it, really, it really is. It makes you appreciate uh, the guys that have some longevity. And even the guys that have longevity, it's tough for them. But he, even Sark admitted in his availability on uh, Monday, that it's tough to do what he's going to ask Hudson Card to do, which is you got to prepare every week like you're the guy, and there's nothing guaranteed to him. Might not play against ULM, they might just decide that the game is flowing in such a manner where hey, you got to get Quinn Ewers as many reps as possible, just keep him in there. You, you might not see Hudson card against ULM, uh, so that that's tough on backup quarterbacks, man, to prepare every week like you have to ready yourself to play, mm-hmm. knowing that you might not take a meaningful snap that week.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's a challenge, uh, there's no question about it. Sarek, I'm sure Sarek has obviously has his tactics, right. Um, to deal with this because he's dealt with it with other quarterbacks too. It's a little different for Hudson Card, though. Usually, man, that, that backup guy, like he won the – because I wonder how often he the quarterbacks go through psychologically the process of winning the job last year hmm. um, and then had Losing it and the then implosion then to Arkansas, of course. To battle. Uh, yeah, and then come in this year and then have one of the highest-rated quarterbacks of all time transfer in yeah. to, the, to the program, and then the whole offseason is about Arch Manning <laughs> and mm-hmm. his recruitment coming in later, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, guys, he hasn't won the job yet, and everybody's like, uh, oh, you're the last. Oh, you don't know. Like, he's the last one to know that he didn't win the job. Everybody else pretty much assumed around the country, everywhere, that the mm-hmm. job was already won, and I don't know. I think psychologically it's devastating. I, honestly, I said it before. I've been saying it for months. I said it months ago. Quinn Ewers is going to win the job. Hudson Carr is going to transfer. I'm not saying it's gonna be this year. He still, could you can keep him engaged to this year? But then that goes to the the psychology of is he already deciding? Man, I need a fresh start yeah. just for me, my own mental health. I got to get, I got to get out here. And I wonder yeah. if he psychologically yeah. has already decided. Man, I'm moving on. Chance Mock is a
1: perfect case study for this, though,
2: right? Because mm-hmm. you
1: look at Chance's career. Came in as a blue chip quarterback, elite five-star. eleven quarterback, five star guy out of the woodlands. Oh yeah. Uh, Came yeah. in with that that uh, Roy Williams, B.J. Johnson, Sloan Thomas class mm-hmm. in two thousand. He has to wait through Sims, Applewhite. Then it's Chris Sims's team in two thousand two when he's the backup. He's he like, wins it's my
2: team. Nick. He <laughs> wins
1: the job coming out of camp mm-hmm. in oh three they lose the Oklahoma game 65-13. And he feels good
2: about it because still back then people like E Hogan are saying mm. move VY to wide receiver. Yep. And, Ch- and and that
1: <laughs> that 65-13 loss to Oklahoma, Chance Mock had the highest passer rating in the country going into that game. Mm-hmm. It's the last game he started in his career.
2: Crazy. Never yep. started another game. Yep.
1: And talking and, about the ground saw
2: but the upside. To the mm-hmm. point to the point
1: that we're talking about like we said, that 03 season, VY didn't play well against Texas Tech and Chance Mock came back and helped Texas win that game. Almost brought him back in that holiday bowl against Washington State, which is kinda like the for it's right up there with the two thousand fourteen Texas bowl, It's like forgotten bowl games. I can't just, visualize it. Like, like out of sight out of mind. I don't
3: even remember what it looked like. I remember I
1: watched it at a Chili's in Houston. Like I it's just like <laughs> out, out of mind. <laughs> well, sounds horrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it's just crazy. Out of sight, out of mind. Like you don't remember. Plus <laughs> well, I was plus that. I was with one of my buddies who's a big time OU fan, so I got nothing but grief like the whole way back to from Houston to Austin, driving out two ninety. That was fun. Um and then so there's that 0-3, but then 0-4, it's like Chance leads the comp like helps save the day against Missouri, which really again, like at that point, you're just kind of handing the ball to Cedric Benson because said mm-hmm. Benson was in the midst of a Doak Walker war season. But yeah, that's that's kind of what you're describing. What we're describing with Hudson Card, that's kind of what happened to Chance Mock. He lost his job to a guy that was the number one overall prospect in the country. That this whole fan base was waiting on right. It's only a matter of time before it's Vy's team. Yeah, it's only a matter, <laughs> and like you said. Agreed that guy is the last guy to kind of realize oh it's not it's not my team
2: um and chance didn't have like the freedom now that quarterbacks portal, yeah. have of having to transfer a portal not be a stigma that yeah. hurts you yep right? or having to a sit year. out another year but now you can just kind of transfer freely and and there are more than enough programs around the country that need quarterbacks that will welcome Hudson card and go Oh, no, basically, you're our de facto starter, bro, yeah.
0: <laughs> just so you know. We yeah.
2: we, we, we don't need to – we ain't going to name you yet, but when you walk on campus, you will be considered the starting quarterback. How does that make you feel?
3: Yep, and then you don't forget yeah, about so, the four-game deal that you have for redshirting yeah. in theory, too, that if he did, say, one a transfer but also understanding the value of, well, if something happened to yours and I need to go in, I can prove my worth, maybe win it back. But even if I do it, it doesn't That's hurt true. against me That's a good point. because I can play four games you gotta and tell then, Sark that then still retro. And I bet coaches yeah. understand that because he wouldn't mind having I'd, a I'd good have that safety meeting. net as a I would a have that meeting.
2: I wouldn't make sure. Yeah. I wouldn't assume Agreed. that like, you know no, no, don't be putting me in versus ULM in, in, the, in the fourth quarter when we up by 45 points. No, no, you need to put in the youngster, then put in Malik Murphy, somebody like that. Yep. I want to save my game so when you actually need me to go win you again, yep. Yep. game, yep. I'm willing to do and that, but until sure- then, I need to say this year of eligibility. If not, then I'm gonna have to and, excuse myself. Yeah. Like and now, it's, it's time to start thinking about yourself a little bit. I mean, you. Oh yeah, it's your career. It yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not blaming you. Some he- fans all hate on you, but I'm not blaming. No, because I mean, you're here your
3: to thing. work. your <laughs> on your future. I mean, yeah. that's a, all it could be. And then for while we're talking about the backup psychology of a co- of a quarterback, I really think it's something that you look across the league. There isn't a better school to have backup quarterbacks to come back and talk to their team That's a then great point. Colt McCoy I mean look at yeah. what Colt McCoy was able to do last year and you hear all the stuff about Kyler and mm-hmm. film work and then it was very bizarre whenever Colt came in and they almost won every game they lost one of them but Colt looked great just executing the game plan he's obviously ready every week right now I'd say the great best point. backup quarterback all preseason has been Sam Ellinger he's been great and he's been prepared all the way through and then we've even heard Booth was a guy that I mean according to Pat Mahomes was the one that took Patrick Mahomes out of the gutter last year when he went mentally, wasn't in the right space. And we have three of those guys that could come back and just sort of talk, or you could always just send a text to, and be a guy that could really go and be like, no, there's a value to being that guy and being ready. And whenever you get that opportunity, if you aren't ready, you could really decide something about your future. But if you are ready, everybody in the country is going to take notice that a blah, blah, blah came off the bench and won the game for the horns.
1: Yeah. Uh, Chance, if you're Chance Mock, if you're listening to this, and I get this wrong, I apologize. But Chance this is, does listen. This is kind of how I remember it. Basically, Rod, to your point, Chance Mock had two options: one, you can transfer to an FCS school, mm-hmm. or two, you can come back and back up Vince Young. Back then, that, that, that yeah. those were his two options.
2: Yeah, like the transferring to another Power Five program, sitting out a year. Because the
1: grad transfer and, thing, even at that point, wasn't it, wasn't what yeah, it was a few years later. I totally
2: later. agree. Like now, I feel bad for quarterbacks back then they felt yep. like they would try I remember Adam Hall I remember Adam Hall transfer like San Diego State I mm-hmm. believe it was from from Westlake yeah um
3: so Adam just, Dunn said baseball
2: yeah yeah so it's just it, it now I do think Hudson Carr considering obviously how much ability he has I just think he has options um and you know I I'm not gonna say it was unfair to him because don't teach your kids that life is you know don't teach him about fairness period Like, it, life ain't fair. Okay, <laughs> Teaching him that I've, life I've is got fair is a four-year-old.
1: That's getting said in my house a lot right now. Yeah, like, <laughs>
2: life is not fair. Don't teach him that. But considering how the quarterback competition worked out for him, I do feel a little bad for him. Well, I feel bad the way it worked because it did. I don't know if he ever got a true chance because he, when Sark came in, and I think Sark was trying to tell him because I think Sark preferred Huston Card. I do. Yeah. I think he obviously he won the job, uh, but Casey knew how to play the position mm-hmm. um, because Casey H- Hudson card thought, "Oh, I do whatever the coach tells me to do, I'll be okay," and I think that was a hard lesson for him to learn. Like, no, no, coach is coach. And I can't be a robot on the field trying to do what coach tells me to do. When yeah. I get on the field, I gotta go make plays. Yeah. Period. Now within the framework of the offense and all that, but I gotta go make plays. And Casey did that, we're totally out, outside of the framework of the offense, not operating the way Sark wanted. And he just, you know, kept downs alive, kept plays alive. And I think at times Hudson Card kind of struggled with, but I'm doing what Coach tells me to do. Yeah, but it ain't getting it done. So I would say be coachable. Don't be a robot. And I think he this is the year he probably figured out how not to be a robot. And I think now he's probably starting to become a better quarterback. Unfortunately, now you got Quentin Ewers. Well,
3: the and to the numbers, uh, just to put some numbers on what you're saying, I pulled uh, just some of the numbers from last
2: season. Oh, these are fascinating. Looking at I'm the time to
3: throw. These are so and good. And when you're inside the pocket, so overall between quarterbacks last season, time to throw. Card was getting rid of the ball in 3.55 seconds. Casey Thompson. 2.73, a difference of 0.83. That's five sixths of a second. That's a long time. Amazing. On just pass attempts, like not sacks, not scrambles, it was Casey Thompson getting rid of it. Two and a half seconds even, card. You're talking about three-quarters of a second difference. A long time. On sacks (laughs) overall, because yeah, in the NFL, you want to be you used to want to be under three. Now you want to be under two and a half. That's a quick game goal. Exactly. And and so on sacks, Casey Thompson was three point five three. Card was a full half second worse, four point oh three. On scrambles, it was Casey Thompson 469. Card was at 582, which is one and point one three, which is one and an eighth second longer. And then when kept clean, which I believe is the most telling one, when there's no pressure, how quickly are you processing getting rid of the ball? Yep. Casey was 2.44. Four. Card was 3.14, which is seven wow. tenths of a second. I mean, wow. that's the difference of making a completion and it getting is. sacked. No doubt.
2: Those are great numbers.
1: We, we were going through yeah, the ride before numbers. you got that's here. Fantastic. Uh, a lot of Hudson Card's numbers were right in line, maybe even slightly worse than Spencer Rattler's numbers last year in terms of time to throw. And everybody talked about last year, Spencer Rattler's holding on to the ball too long. He's not processing. And Hudson Card was right there with him in terms of holding on to the ball too I didn't
2: realize Spencer Rattler, man, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Spencer I don't know what, he just unraveled. He yeah. under, that is a great case study. What? How the hell did he unravel the way he did? Under Lincoln Riley's tutelage. Yeah. Man, and the hand-picked one
1: because Caleb Williams was—he got yanked out. Caleb he looks great.
2: Yeah, he looks great. Like I saw. Like what happened to? Yeah, but you know what? People who watched that reality—what was that reality TV show he was on? Do you remember? I, was I, I, there one was another one called QB One.
1: Yeah.
2: People kept telling me. Yeah, he's he's one of those QBs <laughs> that I wonder about his football character. Yeah, they all the tools, physical tools are there, but we know quarterback is a lot about you know th- those innate skills, your immeasurables, the football character. And people said that they questioned his football character watching that thing. And I wouldn't doubt it. That was part of what unraveled him. Yeah, he's yeah. a Gamecock, mentally.
3: and him and Austin Stogner went to South Carolina.
1: Yeah, but but, but I like Matt bringing up those numbers. Um, and and again, crosses. Rod, you pointed out. Maybe Hudson Carr does look like, if you look at him now compared to this time last year, he does look like a better quarterback. Mm-hmm. But, and Sark didn't come out and say this, but it's that whole deal, man. If 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 they're even at this point, considering all, all the stuff going against Quinn Ewers, left high school early, basically was a spectator at Ohio State last year, Hudson Carr had a full year longer in the offense. Man, if they're even, go with the guy with the higher ceiling.
2: It's not even, it just, to, the, yeah, to, to, borrow, even to borrow a
1: term I love from you, yeah. the rate of development from Quinn Ewer says, okay, at some point he's going to catch and pass Hudson Card and then it's off to the races.
2: Exactly. And then, exactly. Because once he passes them, based on the rate of development, it may be exponential.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: and then, if that happens mid season or early on in the season, you want to ride that wave. Uh, and I think that's what Sark wants to do. And ultimately, You know, I think Sark is looking at the offense, and this is nothing against Hudson Card. I was listening to Sark talk about why he picked um, Quinn Ewers, and a couple of things that he brought up just kind of popped in my mind. You know, he talked about the arm talent, and he can make all the throws. We've talked about in on this show, and um, you brought up the stats, Jeff, and, and Matt, you've had some great stats about it too. I think Sark wants to bring back the deep ball. In his offense, yeah, it was it was a it was a subpar element last year. They were below average throwing the deep ball last poor year. Poor at times. You could argue poor at times, and it, unfortunately, he lost Isaiah Nayor, who was automatically with his presence was a a down the field vertical threat. Yeah, and I, I, I and and Sark, you know, I think he thinks about football the way I do. Ultimately, football at its rudimentary form, we talk about this is a numbers game. He he was ready to present every defense with a mathematical equation that they could not solve. Yeah. Which was, Mm -hmm. how do you stack the box? How and also double X-Man and keep somebody over the top of Isaiah Nayor? Impossible. Incalculable. You can't do it, right? Yeah. Um, So, whichever one you decide to pick, and most of the time you're going to be picking Bijan, stop him. And you're gonna be picking, you know, most time to stop X, man. It's it's gonna leave Isaiah Nayor, Jordan Whittington one-on-one, and you can eat all day. You build your offense around sure things. You build your offense around proven commodities. Losing Isaiah Nayor, I think, really screwed up what he wanted to do with the offense. And I think Quinn Ewers, even though he was gonna win the job anyway, it is doubling down that he wants to add the vertical element to this offense That's why he's talking about how he loves JT Sanders now I think he likes JT Sanders because he's got a tight end that can vertically threaten the defense downfield he's tired of his 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 uh passing game having a ceiling to it yeah which essentially is well you don't really have a true vertical passing game you're a short to intermediate passing game and every now and then you look out on hitting it big he's a big game hunter by nature I think that's what Quinn, U, Quinn Ewer's big arm match it, matches his big game hunting philosophy.
1: I Look. think, too, Jatavion Sanders gives Sark a guy at that tight end position a little bit different, but kind of what Lil' Jordan Humphrey gave Texas in 2018 in terms of when you think about a guy with great high-point ball skills, you think about a guy working the boundary and going up to get it. Yeah. But Lil' Jordan Humphrey gave you that unique element of a guy with great high-point ball skills that could do it in traffic between the numbers. Work the same. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which which think about it if you And I, Colin I, and Johnson. I, and I know you lost Isaiah Nayor, but like I said, he can manufacture that 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 presence by just throwing it deep a lot. What I always mm-hmm. say, throw it deep more, throw it deep early and throw it often. But then think about when you put that safety over the top of Nayor or underneath uh double or rotating or rolling him to X Man, who's gonna cover that scene? Yeah a linebacker? Good luck with that. That and, and Sark said JT's got the best hands on the team. I wouldn't doubt that. He said JT Sanders got the best hands on the team. I could buy that. He oh he said better oh. than Bijan, better than X-Men.
1: Um, he said better uh, than
2: we. He said they all gonna be mad at me when I say I this. I think it's I
1: think it's Bijan and Jamie Sanders has great hands. That's
2: crazy. I was like, whoa.
1: Just like a guy that can just go just grab just uh, a yeah. strong strong hands, just go grab the ball. You've seen some of his high school. I seen tape. some of his highlights. Like, high league like league. it's yeah, he was freaky to watch a um, person. Yeah. Like people ask me for a uh, he was one of the few because I don't get out and cover recruiting near as much as I used to. I try to get out to a couple of games a year, and he was one that I saw in person. Be we like, "What's the comparison?" I'm like, "I don't have one. Like, I've, I don't know that I've ever seen a guy yeah. like him."
2: And that's why I think another element that adds to Quinn Yours being the guy not only the deep ball, and I know you want to get some numbers too, Matt. So you pull, it, pull your papers out. The RPO game is not as prominent in Stark's offense as he would like it to be. He didn't do it last year because I think he was worried about the quarterbacks being overloaded, not being able to manipulate the mesh point well enough, whatever. Um, he won- at, at, at Alabama, they led the nation in RPO rate. I mean, they were at 20, 23% right around there. Hell, now you have guys like Lane Kiffin that are running 30, 35% of their passes are RPO passes. Sark calls them opportunity throws, opportunity for an easy completion. So I think it's to me, I I, I I say it's basically describe it as the combination of the run game and the quick game. That's the RPO game. And with your offensive line being full of young guys, and you got a young quarterback, probably the youngest quarterback you've ever had start in your system, which has a, which has a lot of moving parts in it. Quick game, 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 and that's RPO. And I think what do he say? The two physical elements he loves in his quarterbacks are quick hands and accuracy, basically. Mm-hmm. What are the quick hands for? RPO. Yep.
1: Um, I do want to mention this, though. I, I won't give all the numbers, but I did a Bijan Robinson. I've been wanting to do a B. John Robinson breakdown, like a full deep-dive numbers breakdown on Bijan Robinson, and I put one out on Friday after the Quinn Ewers news drop just to show the importance of what an elite running back can do for a young quarterback. I went rabbit hole and rod. I, I just went and looked at the, the best single-season rushing yardage seasons in school history by a running back. Do you realize, if you look at the top nine, Seven of the top nine best single seasons in school history in terms of rushing yardage came when Texas had either a freshman or a sophomore taking the bulk of the snaps at quarterback.
2: It makes sense. Yep.
1: The only two seasons that don't qualify, Ricky Williams in nineteen ninety seven, because James Brown was still the that was James Brown's last year. Uh, and then nineteen seventy seven with Earl Campbell. But an asterisk next to that because Randy McEachern wasn't a freshman, but you were down to your four string quarterback by the Oklahoma game. You were running the game. <laughs> so you yeah. need you had to lean on Earl to to finish off an undefeated regular season. You so, needed every one of those yards he gave you. Yeah. So So Bijan. Lean on Bijan. I looked also looked real quick at Steve Sarkeesian. He's coached basically four straight NFL running backs, Chris Polk and Bishop Sankey in Washington. Mm. Uh Javoris Allen at USC and then Najee Harris at Alabama. All four of those guys in their last year with Sark, all, each each of them ran for at least 1,400 yards. I like that. Uh, the 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 lowest catch total in the season, Bishop Sankey, in 20, 2013 for Washington. He only had 28 catches, mm. but he ran the ball 327 times. Okay. So it yeah, kind of yeah. evens out. But Buck Allen and Najee Harris, their last season with Sark, and Buck Allen was his only season with Sark, both had 40 catch seasons. And That'd keep in mind, that's
2: rare for Texas. Texas only had mm-hmm. two
1: backs that have ever done it.
2: I know who they are. They're my 30 40 club.
1: Eric Metcalf did it twice. Chris so Obanaya set the school record mm-hmm. with 46 and 08. Texas hasn't had a, a back catch 30 balls or more in a season since Fozzie Whitaker did it in
2: 2010. Oh, yeah. Nice. Shout out to Fozzie.
1: So Bijan's going to be in the 30 catch club. Does he join Chris Obanaya and Eric Metcalf in the 40 catch club? I I think he does.
3: Yeah. And I when think you look about that, uh, you earlier mentioned the uh, deep balls and losing Na'or and how tough it is. And if you look at Texas and what they're returning this year, it really sort of could pigeonhole Worthy into having to play a certain role that you didn't necessarily exactly. want yeah. that. Good and point. you look at the numbers last season, it was 27 targets of 20-plus yards downfield for Worthy. The rest of the Texas team had only 29. But inside those 27 targets Worthy, 351 yards receiving, the rest of the team only 265, so he was much more productive and also contested catch rate. He was two for four on those. The rest of the team, I believe, was two for six, but you also lost guys like Moore and Washington Mm -hmm. that aren't going to be there, and now you don't have a guy like Nayor so returning. I mean, you only have eight other targets 20 yards downfield it was six to Whittington and one or two to Bijan. so that's a role that I know in practice Savion Red was a guy that was running routes vertically he had there was a great ball put on one of them he dropped and then put the push-ups down which got the crowd going but uh he looked actually explosive vertically out of the slot and like that guy out of nowhere, I didn't follow him in college, but when I saw his body type, I was like, dear Lord, he looks like he's in a grown man body, really compact. But then when I saw him running vertical routes and then lining up in the slot, I was like, there's a lot of ways that you can use this guy, especially if, you know, you have Jadavian Sanders on the field because he was another one that looked really freakish out there.
2: His skill set, uh, at least on his body type, I should say, more like is more de- Duvernay-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he even the way, yeah, because he, he looks yeah. like a guy that's stout. Especially yes. when he gets the ball in his hands, and I hope they start running more slot fades. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if you know Texas. Is, I remember Duvernay ran a couple of them. I think Jay Whitmer ran one or two this year. I love the slot fade, mm-hmm. and I mean by love Devontae back. The I hate it. it. Oh man! Well, if you, you got an accurate quarterback. Yeah. That's the key. And I remember uh, I forgot who asked the question in the media availability. They asked, "Was Quinn Ewers' accuracy an issue?" And Sark said, no, it's. I think it's a plus. Like, it's a strength for him. Yeah. And if you're going to run plays like a slot fade, uh, even to a J.T. Sanders or to a Jordan Whittington, man, your quarterback's accuracy has got to be on point. Um, and I just keep going back to Sark talking about a guy that can make all the throws, Like guy that like he kept saying that, a guy that can make all the throws. And even though Hudson Card probably would have managed the game better just because he knows the offense a little bit more, has more familiarity with it, and from what I hear in practice reports, didn't take as many chances and was a little bit more careful with the football, I think Sark is going to depend on Bijan to manage the game, so he doesn't need a game manager. Mm-hmm. He needs he needs a, for, a force multiplier. Um, if if anything gets out of hand, the offensive line has a bad day, they're getting punked, wide receivers can't catch, quarterbacks having growing pains, whatever, he's going to give it to Bijan. The answer to the test Mm. is always give it to Bijan. Give five the rock. Something's going wrong, give it to Bijan. Even if the play caller's having a bad day, Sark, he'll realize, all right, I need to gather myself. I'm just going to call some plays and give it to Bijan. So I think that's why he's not worried about the offense going off the rails this year he's like, well, If it goes off the rails, we give it to Bijan, and he get it right back on track. Yeah. Um. So if people are like, well, Hudson Card probably going to have fewer mistakes, yeah, he probably would have fewer mistakes, but you need a guy that has a higher upside because you know who's going to limit mistakes? Bijan. Because Bijan is mm-hmm. going to carry the right. Bijan's going to limit everybody's mistakes and calm the presence, uh, have a calming presence, I should say, for everybody on offense.
1: Uh, I think about Cedric Benson in 2004 oh. when VY was going through his struggles. Just, exactly. <laughs>
2: Yeah, what, what's Here, what, exactly. Hand it off to that guy. All right, all right. There you go. Game plan. A uh, game plan is trash. All right, we're just gonna hand it off to Bijan then.
1: Why do hey. I remember Jake Smith scoring on a slot fade in the 2019 Texas Tech game? You could be <laughs>
2: yes. Oh, there you go. I think
1: you're right that about this. Right?
2: That do sound right. That sounds sexy. Yes, that sounds right. Man, it
1: ah uh, Jake Smith.
2: But it's so it, it's just hard. That's Greg. a hard throw. That's probably one of the hardest throws in football. The but Sam saved. could make that throw. Sam can make that throw. We see now Sam can make a lot of throws.
3: Yep, and if you're talking about, about the... Bijan being the reliable source, and then we know how Sark funnels his usage mm. through his quarterback, or I mean through his main players. If you just look at the targets last year, Worthy and Bijan combined for 134 or 324 targets. That's a 41.3 wow. target share. So Damn. you're talking about right there almost half your pass plays go into those guys. And then then you have Bijan and you have Roshan doing the other percent. I mean, if we're talking about, say, you're a 60-40 team or 55-45, whatever it is, give that almost 50% or around there running the ball, passing the ball, maybe 55%, and then of those pass plays – Half of them possibly going through Worthy and Bijan. You're only
2: worried about another twenty five percent of the offense. Which, which is it's a exactly. It's a gift and a curse, though. Yeah. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm like, I got to stop two guys, and I may only decide to stop one depending on my personnel. Right. Mm -hmm. I got if I if I'm Baylor, I go. Man, the hell with that running game. That, D, that all line ain't going to hold up against my D-line. Mm-hmm. I'm devoting resources to stop the pass and stop X-man. To your right? point. And that's how we're going to shut it down. Or if you're Oklahoma State and you got really good D-in, you're go, nah, going to crash that run on the outside. I'm going to devote guys to, to make sure that they cover the, the, the B and the, the A gaps, and then we're going to double X-man, and it makes you easier to stop. That's why Isaiah Nayor was key, right? Yep. Like I said, it, it presented a mathematical equation you could not solve, all right? And now you can solve the mathematical equation, stack the box, and if you got good personnel, you should have to stack the box every time and then you find out when you need to double X-Man. right now, if Jay Witt don't turn out to be that other guy or Tariq Milton, that other guy, or whoever it is, Texas is not as tough to stop as you would think.
3: No, to your point, in looking at Worthy, those 27 targets I said of 20-plus yards downfield, so he was intercepted five times. There were five interceptions on those 25 targets. So you look across all targets of Worthy all season, only six interceptions when he was targeted. Five of them came on the deep ball. It's to where the teams in Texas was yeah. going with the ball, and you're able to get almost a 20% interception rate when targeting worthy more than 20 yards downfield. You need,
2: you need more dimensions to the offense because yep. right now, situationally, I, as a, if I'm a good defensive coordinator with some of the personnel that Oklahoma State has and that Baylor has, I, I, I can't stop. Bijan, but I can neutralize him and I can at least put the cuffs somewhat on X Man. You got to give me a threat. I'm just gonna make somebody else beat me. Those two guys ain't gonna beat me. Yeah. Somebody else gonna step up and beat me. If not, I got you. I'm probably you know what I mean I got I got a way to limit that offense, which is the only way you're gonna win games because you ain't winning with your defense and you ain't winning with special teams. Right. You lost a lot there too.
1: Yeah, the, your your idea for the Baylor game like it reminds me of uh, Bill Belichick's plan in Super Bowl 25 to stop the Bills. Like, look. I'm gonna let Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas can gain 150 yeah. yards. I yeah. don't care because I don't think they have the patience to what? run the football that much. Not against and they didn't
2: well, against Siaki Ika and Jackson. I, 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 if I'm uh, Baylor, I would I would take my D line up against that O line and say, you know what? Let's see if they can they can punk my D line first before I devote extra resources in there. Because if not, I'm going light box. I'm mm-hmm. gonna stop him with the light
1: yeah. box. We'll see <laughs> where that Texas O line is by game 12. Because. There he said, I like, the, I, I like the idea of tracking this line from game two mm-hmm. to game 12 because those are the two best lines of scrimmage teams you're going to face all year. Oh, Alabama no and question. Bayma. Yep, no and doubt. Down. I agree with that. And when we talk about it next week, we'll talk about the offensive line because I've got some numbers I want to share. We will be in a game week. Yes. It'll be game week. As as we sit here today, 11 days away from kickoff. We'll be in the middle of it next game. week. Maybe we'll be able to talk about mm-hmm. a depth chart.
2: Beautiful thing. I love yeah.
1: it. I don't know how much UL Monroe uh, – we're going to do on this show?
2: Mm, not necessarily. I think it'll be more about who who actually the coaches decide are going to be, not the starters, or who are going to be the guys that are going to rotate in. Because they're going to rotate a lot of guys. In a, in a, no. I'll guys. say
1: this in closing. Based on how the scrimmages have gone, that two deep is going to be as fluid early in the season as we've seen it around here in a long time.
2: Offensively and defensively?
1: I think both, yes. Wow.
2: I don't disagree with that. Yeah. 'Cause like we said, how many guys on defense do you have that can you think you can build the defense around?
1: I think you've got that one. two or
2: three. You got yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got one. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just Tomorrow saying Marvin so that's it. Yeah. And offensively, we know the old line's gonna be young. And you know, hell, you might have other wide receivers that step up. We don't know. Hopefully. Jay yeah. Wood stays healthy, all that kind of stuff.
0: Ebay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
1: Alright, that's going to do it. we got to close it down for this week. Matt, thanks for everything, man.
0: You're
3: more than welcome. Rod
1: B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 101.9 AM 1260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com where you can get Rod B each and every weekday with Mike Harge on Ball Life from 3 to 7. Shameless Blood. You can also get myself and Craig White each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. Thanks to Matt. Get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz Search Horns 24-7. That's Horns two four seven. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Anywhere you get your podcast, click that follow button to get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.